Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Fish Cups. Now, here's Bill Almack. Remember when we started this series on week one, we talked about Jesus calling his first disciples. And he had something he wanted to do with them. He had an agenda for them. And it wasn't to be more spiritual or to be more holy. It was to be fishers of men. And that probably confused Peter and Andrew and James and John. And they didn't really know what that meant. They didn't really know what they were supposed to do with that. Um, But as we keep reading through the New Testament, that's exactly what happened. Jesus turned them into fishers of men. They told people, and those people told people, and those people told people. And here we are 2,000 years later, because people have continued to tell people about Jesus. And that may seem crazy to us, and we don't even kind of know how to deal with that. Um, It scares us to death to talk to somebody about Jesus or God or religion. We don't know what to do. We're glad that somebody told us but it's too hard for us to tell somebody else, right? And we have a lot of reasons for that, you know. We live in a country where we have freedom of religion, which also means freedom from religion, you know. Live and let live. Why should I convince somebody else to change their belief system? So there's a lot of reasons we don't do this. But I want to go back real quick to week one. Remember I gave you a homework assignment? Do you remember what it was? Write a note. Write a note. Write a note to the person who told you about Jesus. Maybe that was when you were a child and it was a parent or somebody. Maybe that was older, you were older in your life. Maybe you knew about Jesus as a child, but somehow you got away from it and then somebody brought you back. But write a note to that person. Now, the homework was not to mail the note. Okay? You can if you want to. But you might not be able to mail the note. That person may have passed away. Maybe you've lost touch with them. I would write to my mom. I can't do that anymore. She's, you know, passed away. So the the homework was not necessarily to mail the note. It was to write the note. Because writing the note kind of brings out how that person's unique personality and the things that made them up, you know, the stamp collection and the fact that they liked old trucks and whatever it was, and how that intersected with your life in just the right way. Okay? So I I really encourage you to do that if you haven't, because I think it will encourage you that maybe the things that make you up will intersect with somebody else. And the experiences that you've had are going to line up with somebody else's and will encourage you. So I I hope you you actually take time to write that note, even if you don't send it. See, because the message of Christianity is not something you can figure out on your own. You can't sit down in a room and work out the proof and, and, you know, the blackboard and, and write all out these equations. It doesn't work that way. It's based on an event in history. And the only way we know what happens in history is somebody tells us. 
They either tell it to us, they write it down for us, they put it in a movie. Somehow they tell us about what happened. And that's why some of the New Testament believers wrote down what they had seen and heard. That's why we have the New Testament. Because there were people that said, this is important that other people know about this. And they wrote down their experiences for us. Okay? And we know that we're supposed to tell other people but we get scared, right? It's, it's, it's intimidating to try and talk to other people about Jesus. And we'll, we say that in different ways, right? We don't ever say, well, I'm scared. We say, well, what if I say something wrong? Or what if they ask a question and I don't know how to answer? Or what if they get mad and end our relationship? Or, or what if I get fired at work? What if, what if? What if, what if? And then we feel guilty because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We feel like we should do it, but we're too scared to do it, and we don't do it, and then there's guilt, and then there's fear, and and it just becomes this big blah. Sorry, Linda, who has to translate and transcribe the sermon. Blah. Right? It's just a mess. I don't know how many of you listen to Christian radio, but there's a song that's popular right now, and it says, Fear is a Liar. Have you heard this one? It's a pretty good song. Fear is a liar, right? And it lies to you, and it makes you not do the things you ought to do, because it's lying to you, okay? So we're going to pick up the story where we left off last week. This week we're talking about fish guts. Because it takes guts to go fishing. Okay? We're not going to actually talk about fish guts. It's, it's kind of gruesome. But, you know, it takes guts to go fishing. So, But we are going to pick up the story for where we left off last week. So open your Bibles, your devices with me to Acts chapter 4, fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, book of Acts chapter 4. Um, let me, I hope you were here last week and you heard the message. If, if you didn't, um, you can catch it on our website, downeychurch.com or downeychurch.org. Um, but let me summarize real quick. Okay. Peter and John are going to the temple for prayers. They see the lame man that's been at the gate for 40 years. They heal the lame man. The lame man's hopping around. This is great. Making a commotion. Peter and John go on into the temple. And um, the lame man comes in looking for him. He latches on to Peter, and he's like, this is the guy that healed me. And everybody in the temple is just headed that way. Peter looks around and says, hey, we got a crowd. Let's preach. So he starts talking about Jesus. Eventually, the temple officials um, hear it and see it, and they come over to see what's going on. And they find Peter and John talking about Jesus in the temple. Now, they have just executed Jesus. It's probably been like a few months, one or two months since that's happened. Okay? This has just happened. They're trying to get everybody to stop talking about Jesus. Just forget Jesus. He's gone. It's over with. It's done. And here's Peter and John talking about it in the temple. So they throw him in jail. Next morning, they get him out of jail. They've called all the big wigs together. They've got the current high priest, Caiaphas. They've got the guy who is the high priest, Annas, because he pulls all the puppets, the strings, you know. 
And Caiaphas just does what Annas tells him to do. And these are all the people that had Jesus put to death. And they're standing there before Peter and John. And Peter and John got to be going, ooh, this doesn't look good for us. These are the guys that had Jesus killed. Peter looks at him and launches into another sermon. You got to love that, right? Hey, we've got another crowd here. So he launches out another little mini sermon. And he said something that was really profound. Remember what it was? There is no other name by which you are saved. And that was new information to them. Because up to that point, you, you're not saved by a name. You're saved by what you do. And how well you follow the rules. And how well you don't do the don'ts. And how well you do do the do's. Right? All of a sudden, Peter comes along and says, no, there's no other name. They don't know what to do with him, so they send him home. Say, quit talking about Jesus. Just stop it. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what they talked about on the way home. But can you imagine that conversation as you're walking home after this? I I know how it would have gone if I'd have been there, right? Whoo, that was close. We just made it out of there. Those guys really don't like Jesus. I mean, they're really holding a grudge. I didn't think we were going to make it out of there. That was, that was close. You know, we, we got to be careful how we share the name of Jesus, right? We'll, we'll still talk about Jesus, but on the down low, right? We're going to take this underground. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus, you know, in closed rooms and dark alleys, but we got to be careful, right? Those guys, they were serious, and they really don't like Jesus. So, you know, maybe it's God's will that we move this operation out of Jerusalem for a while, somewhere a little more fertile, you know? We'll, we'll just have, like, raiding parties into Jerusalem and then retreat out, you know? Right? I mean, that's what I would have been thinking about. I wonder if they prayed a prayer of thanks on the way home. And would their prayers be like ours? Thank you, Lord, for this nice day, because we always say that. Thank you for protecting us. We ask that you continue to protect me, protect me, protect me, and bless me, bless me, bless me, and help me, help me, help me. Be with all the missionaries. Amen. Right? Because that's kind of how our prayers go. Right? I wonder what they said. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what the Bible does tell us is kind of interesting here. So they're walking back home. Pick it up. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Ever heard anybody say that? I'm my people. That's where it started, right there. They had their own people. And they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in a prayer to God. So these people have been praying all night for Peter and John to be safe. Right? Peter and John are important. Right? Jesus was, has just been crucified a very, very short time ago. John has not written his book. Peter has not written his books. They need these guys to tell them what they saw and heard. They cannot lose Peter and John. Right? So they've been all night praying for their safety. Lord, please take care of them. Please help them. Please please protect them. 
right? Continuing on, this is how their prayer starts. Sovereign Lord. Wow. I've been going to church my entire life. I have never heard a prayer start with Sovereign Lord. Right? We say, Dear Jesus, our Heavenly Father. But they start out, Our Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. See, I think that somehow they just came to a realization about something. Right? All along, they've been praying for things that were maybe kind of against God's will. When Jesus got arrested... And taken away. They all gathered up and said, we gotta pray for Jesus. Right? We gotta pray that, that, you know, he gets released. We need Jesus. And then Jesus is executed. They don't understand what's going on. And then Jesus goes to heaven and they're confused. And now Peter and John get arrested and they think maybe they're gonna follow Jesus' footsteps, literally, and end up in Calvary. Right? And we're praying for protection for, for Peter and John. But somehow, all of a sudden, we've kind of come to this realization that something is going on. Some major league prophecy is dropping right now all around us. And, and I, don't, I don't understand, but we, we watch this happen. Right? We saw what happened. And, and, and this is wild. And they start getting, uh, remembering Bible verses that they learned. Look how their prayer continues. It says, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Hey, we remember this text that David said about prophecy. Remember, Peter quoted David too, prophecy last week. And they said, we remember this other one. It says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth will rise up and rulers will band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. And they're saying like, whoa, this, this happened. This is a text we learned. It's in Psalms chapter 2. When we were kids, we learned this text. And we watched this happen. Right? You guys are looking at me like, what are you talking about? They watched this happen. Their prayer continues. Indeed. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Like We saw this prophecy come true. We've been waiting 4,000 years and we witnessed it and we almost missed it. Because Herod and Pilate and the Jewish nation got together, the nation's rage, they, they got together against Jesus. And we saw it happen. 
And we were praying for Jesus to be safe and not to be killed. But it was your plan that Jesus should go to Calvary. And your plan's been going that way, Lord, and we've been praying to go this way. Oops. Sorry about that. We just figured it out. And now they've gotten to the point in their prayer where maybe they would make a request, but they kind of really don't know what to pray about. Because what do you pray about when you've been praying to go this way and God's been going that way? What do you say? Verse 29. Now, Lord, like, would you consider their threats? See, we don't know what's happening. And we've been praying for our protection. Bless me, bless me, bless me, protect me, protect me, protect me. But maybe it's your will that soldiers should come in here and arrest us and take us to jail. So we don't know what to pray for anymore. I I don't want to pray against God. I don't want to pray to go to jail. So I don't know what to pray for. So Lord, would you consider it? Be aware that they're making threats against us. Listen to that and, and, and do what you will with that, Lord. Consider it. And then the next part is wild. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You ever prayed that? I doubt it. I haven't. That's a scary prayer right there. Right? When you said, God, you're, you're, man, things are going on and prophecy is happening and for some reason you've chosen us not just to watch from the sidelines, but we are players in what's going on. And Lord, you were going this way and we were going that way and we're sorry about that. We're coming back. Don't forget us because enable us to speak with boldness. Wow. Now, this is just after the guys who kill people told you to be quiet, right? My prayer might have been, teach us how to work the underground, right? <laughs> teach us how to spread your word while we, we lay low, right? Teach us, you know, how to get around them. Not them, they're like, enable us to speak with boldness. Wow. Wow. Now, what is boldness, right? Boldness is not volume. Boldness and loudness are not synonyms. Okay? And boldness is not... The guy holding up the John 3.16 banner in the stadium. He's not going to go to jail. He's not going to lose his job. That's not bold. 
Boldness is not the street preacher who's standing on the corner preaching to anybody who walks by. He's not risking anything. We've got free speech, free speech in this country. He's not going to jail or anything. Boldness is not getting up here and preaching. When you come here, you expect who's ever standing up here to preach. Imagine coming here. I mean, you're all looking at me. Imagine coming here and I stood up and didn't say anything. That'd be really weird. Right? That's not bold. Boldness is the quiet clerk at the store. And the company says, say happy holidays. But they say Merry Christmas. Boldness is the young lady who drives three hours one last time to talk to her grandmother about where she's going to spend eternity. Boldness is the 35-year-old male who his father his entire life has made it clear that we don't talk about God. But he's going over there this weekend to try one more time. That's bold. Boldness is going out and, and talking to people and handing out a CD or a tract and saying, man, there's something important in this you need to read. Boldness is going to your friend and saying, this might be uncomfortable, but could we talk about... See, boldness is not loud. Boldness is the right word at the right time. And we talked about that in week one, right? How God has placed us each in a spot to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. And all the things that make us up, that stamp collection, the fact that we like old trucks, the fact that we like to cook or we like to hike or whatever it is, all those things that make us up will intersect with somebody else's life just perfectly. And for some reason that message will click. Because you get to talk to people that you click with that I don't get to talk to. And Edwin doesn't get to talk to. Gustavo doesn't get to talk to. Mario doesn't get to talk to. You get to talk to them. And something about how your guys' situations and experiences and personalities come together, all of a sudden it works. And speaking with boldness is just the right word at the right time. So question is, are you willing to add that to your prayer this week? Enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Why can we be bold? Why can we be bold? They start their prayer with sovereign Lord. Has God's sovereignty, I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean, ended? Is God no longer sovereign? No. God is still sovereign, amen? It hasn't ended. God just wasn't sovereign in the first century, and now, well, I'm not sovereign anymore. That didn't end. 
Is God still active? Yes. God wasn't just active in the first century and then you're all on your own now. You know, it's like when your kids turn 18 and you kick them out the house. No. Right? God is still sovereign and He's still active. If God was sovereign and active in the first century and the Christians were willing to talk about God and God is still sovereign and active in this century... Shouldn't we talk about God and Jesus? You were a lot quieter on that question. It's hard. It's hard. But that's what God has asked us to do. That's what God has asked us to do. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. You know, why can we be bold and why can we continue to be bold? But God's still working. And next week we're going to talk about how God said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell won't, won't, won't prevail against it. Twelve guys looked at him and said, what's a church? And he says, we're going to go to every nation. And they said, how do we get to like all ten nations, man? That's crazy. I don't know how many nations they had in the first century, but it wasn't very many. Right? Today we've got nearly 200 nations. It's like 196, depending on how you count. And Christians are, I think, in every single nation. There's a few nations where there's not many of us. But Christians are in every single nation. Okay? Christianity is the largest religion on the planet. One-third of the people believe in Jesus. Why are we so scared? And sometimes we think, you know, well, if God's going to do what God's going to do, and He's got a plan, then I don't got to do nothing. I can sit here on the couch and watch America's Got Talent, because God's going to do what God's going to do. Right? If you ever get to the place where you think that, you know, God doesn't need you, you need to reevaluate what you believe. Because sometimes we, you know, we, we can get into these deep theological discussions about free will and did Herod and Pilate have free will or did they just do what God predestined them to do and do our choices mean anything or not? More blah. Listen, God has put you here for a reason. And if you find that demotivating, so all you want to do is sit on the couch? You need to reevaluate. Because when God says, I got a plan, I'm like, put me in. Call my number, coach. I'm ready to play. Right? I didn't just come here to hang out. Right? Put me in, coach. And that's what the people in the first century said. Lord, we were praying for the wrong stuff. And Lord, consider their threats and enable us to be a part of the plan. Enable me to speak boldly. Verse 31 that I don't have here in your note, I think, says, And the Holy Spirit shook the place. They didn't need subwoofers. And they went out with great boldness. God will answer that prayer if you, play, if you pray that prayer. 
But you've got to be ready for that. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to get to the end of your life and say, well, you know, I had a pretty good life, raised a family, made a few bucks, took some fun vacations. You know, we got to go to Hawaii, went to Europe once. It was really cool. That's it. I want my life to have eternal consequences. Amen? I want to do something that really matters for an eternity, not for just a few short years here. I want to be part of God's plan. Herod couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't stop him. I can't stop him. You can't stop him. God has a plan. I want to be a more, don't you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to get on board with your plan, Lord. Lord, and if we should this week consider adding this to our prayer, that we would speak with boldness. Lord, we hope you give us the wisdom that we know when is the right time. What is the right word? In the Bible, time and time again, it says the Holy Spirit was with Peter and he spoke. The Holy Spirit prompted them to do this. Lord, you will do the same thing for us. Help us to have confidence in you. Help us to speak your word with boldness, Lord. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downychurch.org. God bless.